This one goes out to all you hiring managers out there. What were the last 10 rejections you did while hiring that one chosen one, the Dragon Warrior? The question is, are you a master Shifu to identify, nurture and develop a top talent like the Dragon Warrior? Or are you just missing the boat? Is someone inspecting the pattern of rejections that you have done in the last preceding 20 interviews or 10 interviews? Is someone apprising you of what you missed out? Because if there is so much of top talent out there, why is it that organizations continue to suffer a 20%, 25% attrition year over year across the board? Why is it that top talent is getting skadooshed when they need to be hired up front? And why do organizations keep on ignoring this facet of interviewing mistakes and costing the company time, energy, money, besides losing out on top talent and disrupting business continuity? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Bus Talk, a podcast about your life at work where no question is out of syllabus, no question is taboo, we don't go big mumbo jumbo fluff stuff we break down the complex and simplify it for you the whole idea is to make you think that said if you're looking for rapid fire questions and answers and quick tips and get rich quick kind of content i'm sorry to disappoint you this is not that kind of podcast it's a slow burn easy on the ear by design so sit back relax whether you're stuck in traffic or on your morning walk good evening good morning good afternoon around the world welcome to bus talk The dive in today is about auditing the rejections. Who is auditing the rejected candidates, the feedback? Is it documented? Is it inspected? Is it apprised to senior management? Are you as a senior leader aware of the last 10 rejections that that your hiring managers have done? Whether you're a talent acquisition professional, whether you are an HR, whether you are the actual hiring manager, are you documenting the reason for rejection instead of those one word answers like not a good fit not suitable many people just directly write reject which is downright offensive in my view what is the recourse what is the mechanism what are the mechanisms in place where the rejection is being analyzed within the organization now to find this out i questioned some of the top hiring managers across the industry in my network And of course, I posed the same question to top talent and their experiences. I'll share both sides of the story. And then in the subsequent segment, talk about what are the two or three things we need to watch out for. So I asked the top talent, arguably the superstars, the next best rock stars, as the reasons why they didn't get the job. Why were they not selected? The common response from most of them was, I don't know, I wasn't communicated. I said, why do you think that was the case? I think they have too many such applications. I said, yes, but you sh- if you f- did you not read the job description properly? Yes, I did. And I matched 10 on 10. If there were 10 requirements in the job description, I met all of those 10 facets. So then why was I not selected? I said, did you inquire? Uh, with the HR said yep we did but we got no response they ghosted us and beyond a point in time we had to move on as well 
so i probed further so do, do you think in your opinion you answered the questions correctly but maybe that's not what the ideal answer would have been what do you think how would you differentiate yourself from your fellow competitor to which the top talent suggested that we have done this job and that's why we got shortlisted and we have done this job well and there is adequate testimony to suggest and data to prove that we have been successful in a similar role before and so there was no reason for us to be not successful in this given role and so i would be very surprised if they find a fault in the way i presented my case the way i try to differentiate myself is to add that additional bit of information which will be in addition to the expected answer so as to clearly articulate why i should be the chosen one as compared to the other five people 10 people who've been shortlisted with me okay assuming that went well assuming that the information that you provided to the hiring manager it sat well with them what else did you not like about that interview process so the response again was quite similar and familiar across many such job seekers they said the most common thing that we find is the person is absolutely disinterested many of them don't turn up on time many of them take phone calls in between many of them almost are on like a it's like a cop and thieves kind of a race with try they try to beat a test every single detail there is no room and scope to and to encourage what we have done in fact it's somewhere seems to me it's a process of disqualification to disqualify to qualify and i was like is that good or bad i said of course it's bad because are you trying to hire me or are you trying to reject me what are you trying to do if you're trying to reject me you will always find a reason which is not uh, absolutely right and what are you expecting is this like a shopping mall where you walk into a shopping mall and you know select the right model shape size color and price tag and you know the right material and everything we are humans we will not be a carbon copy the question is the to the hiring managers is were you the right fit were you the ideal fit i'm sure there must have been an area of improvement for you as well but you got hired so when it comes to us who probably might not be a 10 on 10 fit if you are a 8 on 10 fit why are we not getting hired to which i said maybe you are expensive maybe the company budget was x dollars and you are x plus 10% or x plus 20% which they can't afford to which they responded no we never reached the compensation conversation it was just the final conversation and then ghosted darkness nothing else if i was given the opportunity to be at the table and have that discussion that you know we can offer this much and this is your expectation this is how we can bridge the gap none of that happens it almost comes across given the uh, you know the whole experience is i am trying to do you a favor is the message that i am getting and i said that could be a function of demand and supply in a country like india you have per job application probably 1200 to 1500 applicants right per job request there are 1200 to 15 depending on the size of the company of course smaller companies have in the vicinity of 300 uh, mid tier will be in the vicinity of 1000 and tier 1 organizations can even go up to 2000 and so shortlisting from there and the available alternatives are quite high 
to which they said if the available alternatives are high, who are they actually selecting? Somebody more competent than me or somebody less competent than me? Now that's where it got a little more interesting. I was like, hmm, I, I never thought about that. It could well be that they're hiring someone who is less qualified and less competent and therefore costs less money. Is that what the company really wants? Does that not promote mediocrity? Then why right across all job uh, requests and job descriptions, the first line that they say is, we want rock stars, we want superstars. If you really want a BMW M6, you can't have a budget of a Hyundai accent. I'm just saying. <laughs> no disrespect to folks who drive the Hyundai accent, but you get the drift, the comparison. And I was like, yeah, I, that's true. And I, I have no response to that. So I was wearing my sales manager hat and people manager hat and trying to probe these responses. So th this was by and large the response that I gathered from the top talent, arguably the superstars who did not land the job that they thought that it was a done deal for them. Now, in the next segment, let's talk about the response from the hiring managers. So I asked my fellow hiring managers, why did you reject candidates or why do you reject candidates, job seekers, especially who've been shortlisted into the final round? What makes you pick one final one or the chosen one over the others? The response was quite similar. Again, the response largely articulate and I'm paraphrasing and simplifying this for you is that, well, most of these guys who got hired had a strong culture fit apart from being eligible for the role. Most of them were eligible for the role, but from a culture fit that those candidates made the cut to which I contested. Have you described to them what the culture fit ought to look like in the job description. What is it that you are looking for? To the best of my understanding and knowledge in the job description, you just articulate the essentials, the skill sets that you require. You articulate the deliverables that you're expected to deliver and a little bit about the company. Does it anywhere capture the mindset, the cultural aspect that you expect the person to bring to the table? Yeah, to which they were... They were rolling their eyes mostly. Then I probed further. Well, here's a follow-up question to the culture question. Do you want a clone army or do you want a diverse workforce? Because if you're looking for all identical cultures, then what is it that you have in the organization? A herd company, a bunch of people working like an assembly line, like a factory assembly line. Is that the design? Is that what you want? Is that what your senior management is asking for? Because to the best of my knowledge, your senior management is talking about growth, ma growth mindset, you know, diversity, not just in gender, but in the mind and all those good things. But at a hiring level, what you're hiring is people who can easily fit in. And, you know, it's like a relay race where you just want to ensure that the baton is passed from the previous employee to the new employee and, and the work continues. To which they asked, what is wrong with that? Have you not run a team? Do you want people to come in and boil the ocean? Do you want people, you know, a lot of these top tier talents come in with a chip on their shoulders. They come with a ton of attitude. They come and, you know, have a, they have a resolution that they will show off their previous learnings and everything. They have a revolution code 
in their DNA that everything is wrong in this organization and here I am the messiah who will come and fix everything. That's how they come across in many interviews, especially the top talent since you're talking about arguably the best of the best. And I was like, well, if you can't, are you telling me then that you want more compliant people, quote unquote, people who don't display aggressiveness, people who don't display uh, an uber passion for to do something? Would you necessarily discourage someone who wants to change the system? The response was, let's not waste our time on all of this. You know, we can't change the system, can we? There is a prerequisite on how the system works and functions. While a lot of it is aspirational, you have to be realistic about it where the change is gradual. It's not a unanimous decision. It has to be a collaborative effort, which stems over a long period of time. To which I responded, do we have a long period of time? Are you talking about job security here? If you don't come in and perform quickly and excel, do you have a job in six months time or a year's time? You will be put under a plan, isn't it? So yeah, you might, if you don't perform, you perish, right? Well, if you don't perform, you perish. And here is a person who's saying that your system is wrong. He is, or she has done this before. And here are the three things she can do or he can do to change it, but you won't allow it. In fact, you won't not just allow it, you won't even hire this person. So how does the system change then? You are not clearly changing it. To which there was an awkward silence. <laughs> to which people were like, uh-oh, this is going a bit out of syllabus. Okay, let me switch gears here. When was the last time you as a people manager got coached in identifying top talent? Was there a session? Did your manager do some uh, exercises? Was your HR involved? Answer was no. So. If I'm getting this right, it is an expected thing that if you're a people manager, that you will automatically be able to identify, nurture a top talent. Remember, Dragon Warrior was not Dragon Warrior when he was being interviewed by Master Shifu. He was Po, the goofy Po, <laughs> you know, he was not a finished material. It took the brilliance of Master Shifu to guide, nurture, develop, and then make the person self-realize of his potential, then he goes on to become the dragon warrior after a lot of struggle. So my question to you is, what is it that you're doing to groom a top talent? If you see a high potential talent sitting in front of you and quote unquote, if you were not that high potential talent, what are the odds that you would hire a high potential talent? Would you? I mean, it's, you don't need to say yes or no to me because I don't want you to get defensive about it. But it's something for you to think because whatever the answer this person gives will be absolutely out of syllabus, right? You did not answer the same question when you were asked in your interview. So when this person answers the same question in a slightly different way, probably in a better way, does it make you more nervous? Does it make you insecure? Does it make you frustrated? Or are you ignorant that, oh, I, I think that's a wrong answer. So basis which you're rejecting a potential top talent. And if that is happening, is anybody inspecting that, dissecting that and helping you grow? Again, this is not so that you don't get defensive about it as a hiring manager. But idea is, are you augmenting your skill sets towards becoming a better people manager, a better quote unquote talent assessor? 
it's almost like this parent right are you better equipped to parent a child turns out lot of it is buried under assumptions turns out lot of it is never reported turns out lot of it is in under ignorance that oh i didn't know there were a lot of people that got thinking from this exchange of uh, conversation this conversation that i had with many people and if you are a people manager or a senior leader who's interested with hiring talent is this making you think are you doing something similar or are you doing something different so in the next segment let us find out given the situation that you are advertising to hire the next best rock star next best superstar what are the three things you your hiring management team or set of people interacting with that top talent need to be aware of so if you are a founder ceo hr leader hiring manager listening to this try a couple of things with your hiring team before the next interviews number 1 talk to yourselves first do you at all need to hire the best of the best out there in the market can you reset your expectations of what your budget is what the role requires and what is the ideal talent that works well for you and therefore modify the job description accordingly in short don't advertise for a superstar if you can't afford one number 2 get in a expert who can train your team on people management please don't assume just because they were individual contributors or the best individual contributors they automatically become great people managers nobody really trains people it's not like a switch that you switch off your ic hat and suddenly you become this no no it all people manager people often learn in their jobs over a period of time and they learn from their seniors they learn from their environment so if their seniors and environment are not the best and i'm being polite here then they carry forward the same legacy and therefore you land up with a land of mediocrity where mediocrity is considered the standard of excellence truth couldn't be farther than that get in an expert a people management expert who can train your team to skill up to identify to interview identify top talent to interview top talent and especially diverse talent diversity people often think it's only about gender it's also about thought processes mindset attitudes approaches just because somebody is articulating it in a different way doesn't mean that the person is wrong number 3 can you increase the sensitivity the compassion while interviewing people remember you do not know their personal lives you do not know what troubles or challenges they may face you do not have an idea of some of the problems they have going on in their lives now it is very true that you can't solve for everybody's problems but what you can ensure is that you give them the respect provide them the right platform to express and be their true selves they are more nervous than you are because you are the job provider they are the job seeker they are more nervous are you making them more comfortable if that means that you need to invest another 15 minutes just having a small talk making them smile a little bit are you doing that you might be hard pressed for time make time for people because these people will build your organization and remember today you are in a position where you are interviewing 
a candidate or a job seeker tomorrow you could be across the table what is the experience that you want from your interviewer look this conversation is endless i've already recorded a previous episode interviewers mistakes you can scroll down and listen to that as well this is almost uh, identical with some additions to that the idea is to revisit these conversations and i'll have many more episodes on the same topic because we keep refining our thoughts we keep improving our expectations and understanding of people management from time to time as always my request to you is to think rethink and revise your people management strategies and goals and discuss this in your next management meet at your offsite at your hr meet whatever be the opportunity also please do share this with other set of managers who might need to hear this who you think are probably making a mistake and they probably will benefit from this i know there'll be a lot of people who will be very defensive about it and you can share it with them as well it's all right bouquets and brickbats both both are welcome like i've always said it's not whatever i suggest here is not like etched in stone it's more a work in progress it's also for us to make to think through together to grow together as it were and as i articulate as i vocalize all these thoughts in my mind even i am doing corrections and updations i revisit what i said earlier and say oh maybe that was a wrong understanding and uh, update myself as well but there's a conscious effort to improve from uh, you know from the previous past so with that thank you so much for being patient thank you so much for listening there is no skip to the good part in in my podcast right it is how it is and if you've been a consistent listener by now you probably recognize that and uh, i really appreciate you for that and uh, you know where to find me on my social media handles on hashtag #ianisms that's a a y a n i s m s on twitter or facebook you can reach me on uh, a voicemail below just leave a message and if you're so kind to leave a review on uh, apple podcasts what it, what that does is it lets me it lets me know that the message is landing with the right audience it's making a difference it's making an impact however little that might be and of course it helps the algorithm as well make i i hope that more and more people get to listen to bus talk and uh, there is this need to break out of this corporate uh, jargon and big mumbo jumbo and have a simple straight talk so until we meet next time stay well stay safe and get your A game to work this is your host Ian you were listening to bus talk